online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the Wickham Wanderers Show. It's an international break, and you might think, well, it's an international break. They don't have much to talk about in an international break, do they? Well, the, we do. <laughs> <laughs> on the evening that England play the Republic of Ireland in a friendly... The exciting news is... Daryl Hogan starts for the Republic of Ireland against England tonight at Wembley. Fantastic. Uh, so we're on the show this week. We'll be looking back on the uh, defeat at the city. You were at the city ground? I was at the city ground, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we did okay. But you definitely got the impression that, yeah, you know, the, the last three games have maybe slightly taken out of us a little bit. And also, uh, we'll speak to the man who captained the side the last time uh, Wickham Wanderers were at the city ground in 1996. And not only that... But we are also speaking to a man who is a Wickham legend, uh, a Nottingham Forest legend, a uh, Norwich City legend, Celtic legend, Leicester legend, uh, and, and, and Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland legend. The one and only Martin O'Neill uh, spoke to Colin Besley, uh, and so we will be listening to Martin, uh, the, the whole interview coming up uh, later on on the show. Lots to look forward to. Uh, so, uh, yes, we're, we're a bit pushed for time. Better crack on. Indeed. So, uh, tell us your first impressions, I guess, or, or overall assessment, if you like, of uh, of the game on Saturday. Yes. Um, so, uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, they they played well. Uh, definitely, uh, as Dobbo said to me after the game, um, probably they are actually in a false position when you actually watch them and, and see. I think uh, Chris Hutton is probably going to, to turn them around. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Wickham, it, it was very much like the Birmingham game, to be honest. That Yes, you know, Nottingham Forest are probably a better a team um, you know than Wickham Wanderers are um, and if they play to their potential then probably yes you know they are going to beat us um, and unfortunately that yes that is what happened obviously um, but you know but we did alright and had a couple of things maybe gone our way um, Bayo in particular had a fantastic header uh, which just went wide had he put that in uh, then you never know it might have been like the Birmingham City game we might have actually been able to not snatch one point but actually all three points uh, but as it was that just went, uh, you know, just went wide of the post, uh, and of course, Nottingham Forest they went straight down the other end and scored to make it two 0 And really, you thought, right, okay, you know, that's that's our chance for today. Never really sure at this time of the season if you can take too much from the league table, but it is strange to see Forest down there, to see Derby down there, you know, teams like that, and especially if you've done Wayne Rooney's Derby. Uh, yeah, and also both of these teams were spoken about as being sort of Premiership, you know, contenders um, with regards to promotion or at least the playoffs. And the fact that that hasn't happened at all, you do think, well, what on earth's happening? And as you say, you know, they're not Derby County anymore, are they? They're always now Wayne Rooney's Derby in the way that they were Frank Lampard's. Um, but yeah, well, you know, what what are they doing down there? Uh, but for us, again, well, long long may it continue. Absolutely. And uh, Richard Dobson continued to uh, remain in charge. Uh, Gareth not quite match fit, and Bob spoke to him after the game. The stats were, were interesting, so five shots on target, you have more corners than them, and possession, actually, I think we have 40% to their 60. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't aware of the stats, but I, I had a feeling that it would probably um, be close on, on chances created. Uh, I think we've made some good opportunities today, and um, the, the second goal is the, the pivotal moment in it. At that point, we were on top and pushing for an equaliser, and I think the longer that stays 1-0, the more nervy they get. Obviously, the breakaway and a, a bit of a fortunate ricochet that falls into his path um, allows him to get that two-goal um, head start on us and at that point you know they can play a counter-attacking game and sit deep which probably suits their players and it makes it a lot tougher for us because of the bodies they get back 
and it was unfortunate because Bayo had a you know a good header just before then they made it 2-0 if that had gone in well we might have been looking at a game a bit like uh, Wednesday night yep isn't that always the way you know you miss a good chance they go down the other end and score um, it, it, we, had, we, we created several chances today a little bit unfortunate on a couple keepers made a couple of good saves you know Rocky's had to make a couple of good saves probably for, for the neutral a, a good advert for championship football I would have thought um, but uh, you know there were some pleasing moments about what we did today and uh, I, I certainly feel that Forrester aside in a, a very false position in the league I think we'll find in, in a couple of months time they'll be in the top half of the league and pushing towards the bottom end of the playoffs certainly in terms of the talent they've got in their squad and, and a very good manager that knows this division well so having done our analysis on them we felt they were in a false position um, They the last couple of games they could have easily won by four or five they were that good in the game um, and in actual fact today I thought we went toe to toe with them for, for long spells I think what's great going into the international break is that actually you could say the same about us at the moment Yes, yeah, um, and it's important that we carry that momentum on when we come back. We have to use this, this as a chance to recharge our batteries, and but certainly not take our foot off the pedal. Um, continual growth is really important um, in terms of performances, and uh, you know there was a lot of aspects about our performance today that I was more pleased with than, uh, than maybe the Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday game. So um, you know, we, we've got to be realistic about the fact that in this division, other teams have very clinical strikers, and probably that's the, the one difference in the two sides today. It's good to see that Anis started and also uh, Gareth coming on. You know, he he looks like he's going to be a real handful for teams. Yeah, both really bright. Anis, as a young lad, shows great um, great calmness about his play. Um, he's got a lovely eye for a pass, and um, and, and he's going to be a, a class player. You know, as he as he grows and and, and gets more experience, I think he, he's got a touch of class about him. Um, Gareth, I thought, gave us a, a more dynamic approach on the right. Um, he wants to get forward. He wants to to get crosses in the box, and um, I certainly thought he was a threat when he came on and um, delighted that he's part of this club now are you expecting that by the time we play Brentford it will be Gareth Ainsworth standing here chatting to us yeah I would hope so now yeah it gives him another couple of weeks to recover um, he wanted to make the trip but um, you know after a couple of hours of being on his feet at the training ground he suddenly realised that it was going to be impossible this time round so um, you know the next two weeks should give him plenty of time to, to recover be back and, um, and hopefully we'll be back to full strength in, on the coaching side uh, fairly shortly I would imagine that it's been very busy for you over the last week, so you're probably looking forward to the international break just to be able to, to spend a bit of time at home. It is, yeah, yeah. I've been a lot more of a coach this week and a lot less of a dad, and uh, the time spent on the iPad at home, you know, even when you are home, the kids are asking you questions and you're asking yes or, or answering yes and no, and actually you think, was that even a yes or no question that, you know, you're so so busy thinking about the team and what hap- needs to happen next. So, yes, it, it does increase the workload without a doubt, um, but uh, needs must, and, um, you know, that's that's what we're we're all about you know the club's uh, one for all and all for one and um, you know we've, we've lost guys but we all have to step up to the breach and of course the, the brilliant news is um, that uh, Gareth is now back uh, at the club uh, the Blues played a uh, practice game they called it on a Tuesday uh, where they played Bournemouth under 21s uh, Gareth was there because uh, the club tweeted a picture of himself and Dobbo and Pete Kuhig uh, and e- even better uh, we won 4-1 and Alex Samuel scored a hat-trick so no, not a bad afternoon's work it's been all, all in all a good week. It has, indeed, yes. I must say a massive thank you to JDT and Alan Hutchinson of the Ex-Players Association for um, sorting us out uh, this evening's two guests. Coming up very soon, uh, we're uh, very excited, uh, that doesn't quite cover it to be honest, uh, to be having uh, Martin O'Neill on the programme. But first, uh, I've been catching up with uh, former captain and uh, caretaker manager as well, uh, Terry Evans, ooh, Terry Evans, to find out uh, about how he became a Wickham Wanderers player. Uh, it was uh, the 
season, Brentford bought Dave Webb in. Uh, they got rid of Phil Older and uh, they bought Dave Webb in. And more or less from the start, I knew that uh, that wasn't his plans. So uh, it was a case of getting out of there. And I was talking to Jason Cousins. And he said that he'd mentioned me to Martin. And uh, I think a couple of weeks later, Mark Martin just got, got me in on loan. And... Uh, First couple of weeks didn't go so well. The boys were doing well. wasn't in the starting lineup or anything like that. Then got a couple of runouts. Don't think I played that great at Hereford. Then uh, it sort of just picked up. I just told Mike I just need to get fit because uh, in that summer I'd had some staples taken out of my knee from a previous surgery. So once that was out and I got fit, I started to feel my feet and uh, you know the boys uh, sort of got round me, give me a hand, and uh, rest is history really. Played the uh, played about four or five games on loan, and then I think Cuz got sent off. He was club captain. He got sent off uh, one of the games. I think it was maybe the Doncaster game or something like that. And uh, while I was on loan, Martin sort of asked me if I'd captain the team. So that was great. And uh, I think it was after the uh, after I scored the equaliser against Coventry in the uh, in the League Cup. It went to extra time. He just said, "Okay, so I'm going to." Uh, I'm going to pay the money and sign you, sign you tomorrow. So uh, that was that, really. And as I say, we, we spoke to Glenn Creaser earlier in our, in our sort of series, if you like, and, and he was saying, you know, uh, in your sort of back line, you must have played with such confidence because you pretty much knew that not much was getting past you. No, it was good. We had the, it was solid, you know, like, uh, Creaser was solid. You know, there was uh, Cuz on the right. You know, I previously played with him a few times at Brentford. We had Matt Crosby on the left, another solid. Uh, defender, so and and very all of us fairly fairly decent in the air. So uh, yeah, it was a strong strong defensive uh, team. And what was it like playing under Martin O'Neill? I'm sure you get asked a lot. Oh, it was brilliant. You know, he was uh, out and out winner. Brilliant mindset, fantastic. Uh, just just getting the boys up, uh, getting the best out of everyone. He was tough on you. You know, you know demanded the best, but when you're performing, you know. It looked after you, give you a bit of time off. You know the rewards were there if you performed. It must have been such an incredible time to be at the club as well, especially with the the promotion through the playoffs, especially. Yeah, it was all that. You know, the club was always on the up, wasn't it? You know, knocking on the door for a couple of years to get into the into the football league, got into the football league, held held its own straight up through the playoffs. It was yeah, it was incredible times. You know, it was a brilliant brilliant club to play for, and uh, you know, brilliant staff, brilliant players. Yeah, it's very very small staff and and, uh, and team compared to to what there is around these days. But that kept it quite uh, quite tight and quite friendly. Even sort of like the three or four lads, the fringe lads sort of, that sort of weren't getting in the in the team. You know, they'd, they'd be straight in the dressing rooms after the game, reading out the results. You know, how other teams had gone. It was a real real tight uh, real tight team. I was going to say such a special group of players that you had around that time. Well, really throughout the, the period that you're at the club. Yeah, it was. It was all, you know, no egos. It was. Uh, it was. It was just a, a, a working team. You know, everyone knew their knew their roles. Everyone knew what their job was, and uh, you know, nobody let anybody down. It was a real sort of like workmanlike team. And you mentioned you got given the sort of the captaincy quite early, but but fantastic to have the armband for the period that you did as well. Yeah, oh, Christ, yeah, you know, it's, it's always great to lead the boys, and uh, you know, obviously, my my giving me uh, so, so, so early on, you know, it was a real. 
you know, real pump up for me to, to get that, you know, and uh, obviously the cut you know, some some great leaders before that, you know, Crease, Cuz, you know, Crease obviously with his bad foot injury. He stained at work, you know, it was you know, obviously I was lucky uh, to sort of get the armband, unfortunate circumstances for those two boys, but yeah, cherished it when I got it. Are there particular matches during your, your time at Wickham that especially stand out? Yeah, well it was the uh the Coventry game in the cup was a was was a huge game. Uh, when we was three 0 down from the first leg, pulled it back to three all, and then I'm not sure. I think it might have even gone a goal up, and then they they, they scored a, scored the away goal from a free kick, I think, late on. But yeah, that's a, that's a big game that, that, that stands out. Are there any sort of behind the scenes stories, if you like, that you'd be happy to share with us that you that sort of stand out from from your time at the club? Uh, it was just one. The, the, actually, the, the the game when uh, Cuz got sent off for his uh, two-foot tackle, you know, we'd, we'd come in half-time and I think he'd been set off like five, ten minutes before and he was in the shower, showered up, all soaked up and O'Neill just came in and dragged him out by his ear and just threw him into the, uh, in, into the tunnel area. That was, uh, that was hilarious. Blessing pro Cuzzo. But for me, that, you know, I didn't even know what Mike said at half-time. I was just curled up in the corner trying, yeah, trying to stop him seeing me laughing. <laughs> oh, it's a brilliant story it's fantastic for fans to kind of get that kind of insight as well isn't it because obviously when you're in amongst it as well it, it must be very uh, sort of very difficult uh, very different feeling as well yeah yeah it was you know, uh, it, it was, it was, you know although he was sort of he could be ruthless Martin you know so some of the stuff he would do would just you know just yeah crack me up he was he, he was it was quite funny sometimes you know he would be tough and uh, and put it into you but yeah, sometimes you would just be you'd just be laughing. You know, there was a time when uh, I think Chuck was playing for the second team and, and yeah, let, let a few in and got a bit of a drub in. Uh, he was posing in the uh, in the mirror doing the old uh, Chris Eubanks pose, and O'Neill came in and said to him, he said, uh, Chuck, he said, you, you you remind me of Joe Bugner, and Chuck said, Oh, why? Because of my physique and that. He went, No, he said, because you wear gloves for no apparent reason as well. <laughs> And it was just, yeah, he was just, yeah, he was, he was cutting. He could, uh, he could, you know, he could ruin you, you know, within one sentence. I think that that's another, uh, another thing with the boys that he brought in. You know, he brought in, and they could handle that. They could, they could take that criticism. You know, I know that sports changing, and uh, the game's got a little bit softer. But I'm not sure many could sort of take the criticism or, or the stick that was dished out then. You mentioned as well briefly your knee. That's obviously something which which kind of led in a way to, to your interest in, in becoming a physio as well. Yeah, that would be <laughs> downfalls. My knees, uh, both I've done cruciates in, and then uh, against Fulham in, in one of the cup games, uh, I did the medial ligament. So yeah, sort of suffered with my knees, and that's where Martin was good as well. He uh, he sort of looked after me during the week. You know, I didn't have to get involved in every training session. Dave Jones was a physio at the club at the time. He was very good, looked after me best management of my knees and not being close with Dave and working with him quite closely and him trying to get me ready for games each week. I sort of uh, picked up a bit of knowledge on, on the injuries. You know, I'd see him treating other lads and making diagnoses and, and yeah, that got more, got, got real interest and uh, me and Dave got fairly close as well. And, you yeah, know, up until this day, you know, very good friends. Because after you left the club, obviously you came back as the, as the youth team physio. That must have been something which was great in terms of, you know, you were able to sort of pass on your own experience in terms of playing and also uh, injuries as well onto the youngsters. Yeah, I think it helps, you know. You, you, you know, sometimes, you know, you're in a club environment, team environment, when you're injured, it is a, sometimes it's a dark place, lonely place on your own. 
and when you've got some some good people around you, you know, like other players, other players that are injured, you know, you, you can build up rapport with, uh, you know, good, good support medical team. Well, you know, just Dave sort of run it on his own with, with uh, Gina Allen, the doc, uh, who would pop in sort of once or twice a week. They looked after us very well and got us through, you know. And then latterly, you came back as a caretaker manager, I recall as well. That must have been fantastic to sort of help out, if you like. Yeah, it was the same time I was sort of on the... Uh, on, on, on the physio team, so I was just working under Dave, looking after the academy. Unfortunately for Neil, Neil, Neil got uh, Neil got the sack, and uh, Oliver just asked me to step in while they, while they look for a, for another manager. So I was happy to, to take that on at the time until Saints come in. But yeah, yeah, just enjoyed it all. You know, I've just obviously got, got real fond memories of the club and a, a special special place in my heart for them. You know. What do you think makes it so special? Because obviously speaking to ex-players and obviously current players as well with, with the current current achievements of being in the, the second tier of English football, it does seem such that there's such a real kind of family feel, isn't there, about the place? I think that's what it is. You know, everyone's everyone's quite close. It's, it's always been a, a, a tight knit club, and uh, very very similar Brentford up the road. You know where I was. You know, it's, you go back there and it's, just, it's sort of the same old faces, same old crowds, but you know, really nice, genuine people, and uh, you know, people who always had time for you. And uh, you know, I was always happy to share times with them. And I think over the years, they've always sort of recruited fairly well. You know, you get get some get some good lads in, good players, and people who are just generally nice, nice human beings. There must be a number of parallels actually between the two clubs, obviously, especially now with them both being in the championship. Well, that's right. I mean, it's lo- lovely to see. You know, they're the two results I look for, sort of uh, midweek and Saturdays when there's games. You know, so I mean, they're the two game, they're the sort of two teams that I'd, I'd come along and watch. So. The same sort of fan, the same sort of setup. Really, it is uh, it is crazy, but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of similarities. You must have been so pleased, considering you know when you were at the club, it was what was then the third division, and and now, as I say, to see them in the championship must be very very pleasing. Yeah, he's, he's done a uh, yeah, done a fantastic job there to uh, to pull them up, uh, Gareth and, uh, and Dobbo. I had Dobbo with me. Dobbo was um, boot boy back in the day at Brentford, so great to see Dobbo cracking on. And the boys, you know, they're, they're fantastic achievement, you know. And things looked a bit rocky uh, probably about 18 months, two years ago. It uh, Hopefully things things will turn around. I know they're struggling with a few results at the moment, but, you know, I'm sure they'll turn that around. And what have you been doing sort of since post then? People, uh, fans may not know sort of what you're up to currently. Uh, I'm... Uh, Heading up the uh, sports medicine, like uh, the, the head physio at Eden Trail Finders Rugby Club. So we're we're not championship. We are oh, sorry, we're championship. We're not premiership. So we're just one below. But we've been unfortunate. Uh, we've come second for the last three years, and it's uh, we, we always come behind the team that's been relegated from the prem. So uh, this year, Saracens have been relegated over uh, over payment issues. With, with their staff, so they've been immediately relegated. So we've got to take Saracens on next season, and uh, you know, on, on our way trying to get to the Premiership. But it's a good setup there. Yeah, we've evolved over the years. When I first went in there, sort of four or five years ago, it was sort of a you know, there was a Championship setup. But now we, we are pushing to to get ourselves to to Premier Premiership status, and we feel like we've got that with, on the medical side, and uh, we're just. Close to that on the pitch, you know, recruited well this year with players, and uh, hopefully we'll make the push this year. But you know, obviously, big boots to to fill if we can see our Saracens. 
Are they very similar similar worlds, if you like, when it comes to you know maintaining players in terms of football and, and rugby, I guess, quite similar injuries in some ways that, that players do pick up? Yeah, the, the, the nice thing with the rugby is it's very varied. You, know, you get a lot more uh, upper body injuries, you know, shoulders, your elbow. I've got a few hands lately, you know, uh, ruptured thumbs, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's very varied compared to football where it's normally just sort of majority of stuff is below the waist, you know, knees, ankles, the odd hip. But uh, with the rugby, you know, it's everything from sort of, yeah, concussions, neck, head down, you know. It's, it's a real mixed bag. Must be really pleasing for you to be sort of back in it, involved again after after the period of lockdown as well. Yeah, we uh, we we've, I think we had about a period of about two three months, and then we we got back fairly early. We 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 was one of the first well the first championship side to to do testing, so we, we test weekly. We kind of tested weekly, and uh, we've been fortunate. We only have one uh, one positive all, all the way through, so we, we we've done very well. We think we got some you know we got we got. Good, uh, good, good planning place. Good infrastructure on on the COVID testing and uh, keeping players social distancing, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we've uh, we've been fortunate, but obviously, but uh, and, uh, and and sensible with it. It must be so enjoyable for you as well to be a part of the the ex players association and to sort of catch up with former teammates, but also uh, guys from different generations as well. Oh, it's great! It's, it's a great thing. I just set up there, you know. So I'd love to, to have the time to, to try and put something in place uh, at Brentford as well. You know, it'd be, it'd be a lovely thing just to, to to set it up. But you know, what, what the boys have done there with the ex-players is is, is fantastic. You know, it's, it's it's a really good thing, and it is lovely to catch up with different eras and the eras in the era and the boys that he was with as well. You know, it's, it's nice to do that. And although you know. I've got time constraints. I do make it to the uh, to the dinner, so I always get to that. And it'd be nice to try and get myself on one of the golf days at, at some point. Must be really nice for you to reflect as well um, on you know, the, the period that you were at the club and and the comparative success that you had as well. Yeah, it's good to catch up with boys and, and lads that, that sort of went on and, and become more successful, played in high divisions. You know, that, that's always great to see. You know, when you sort of see them coming through as like little acorns and then you know, developing the big oaks, it's. Uh, it's, it's always good to see, you know. But yeah, you know, yeah, they've gone on and, and played a higher level. But they, you know, deep down, they're still same, they're still the uh, same old boys. And just finally, how do you reflect overall on, on your time at the club? Oh, loved it. It was brilliant. You know, both clubs. You know, and I think if you look back as a player, if if, if you give you a lot, you know, they get, you, you, you know, you get you get something back. Yeah, it does, doesn't matter how sort of good you are, but yeah, if, if you leave everything on the pitch, you know, like only. So you know, come or you're coming off the pitch on your knees, and I think if you give you a lot, emptied the tank, and uh, yeah, I think the fans sort of see that. And so pleasing when Wasps came as well, because that was the, sort of best of both worlds for you as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because uh, I, I sort of followed the Courage Championship way back when I was sort of playing football because I played rugby at school. Really enjoyed it. wasn't professional. Played rugby, but always, always into that. Loved, loved me sort of the home nations, you know, like the uh, well, it was, it was the home nations back then, and to like the, the six nations. But yeah, always a keen follower of that. As soon as I retired from the football, I, I got a season ticket at Wasp when they were at uh, at Loftus Road. I got to know a few of the boys there, and so they'd sort me out tickets. And then obviously they moved, they moved to uh, Wickham, which was a, which was a plus as well, you know. So. Yeah, really enjoyed my rugby and, uh, and that sort of, you know, knowing the boys at Boston South sort of 
got offered an opportunity to go and work at Wasp, work there. Went on to London Welsh and then uh, moved to uh, Ealing, where I am now. Obviously, wish you all the best for your time at Ealing and thank you so much for your, for your time. It's been brilliant to speak to you. Yeah, you're very welcome, Colin. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Great chat to Terry Evans. Um, really, it's fantastic isn't it, to catch up with former players, especially from certain eras, eras as well. When you know you used to go and watch them, and and, and it's obviously fascinating to listen back to to older players' stories as well. But but you know, ones that you've seen on the terraces, yeah, and yeah where, ones that you can really relate to, and you can th- you know you can see them actually there playing the game. Uh, yeah, fr- you know, really really interesting. Uh, a, a very good interview. Well done. Thank you, and great to find out what what players are doing now as well. Because you think, oh, I wonder what they're doing now. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, we, we've got the ultimate coming up um, in, in a few moments' time. Uh, we do have our poll running, uh, who is the greatest Wickham manager um, of all time. Uh, currently, uh, Gareth slightly in the lead, 53% uh, to Martin O'Neill's 47%. Um, uh, no votes for Sid yet, so come on, Sid fans. Uh, you know, it'd be nice for him to get to get a few. Uh, you can find the poll on Twitter. Um, just use the hashtag uh, TWWS. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome back to the second part of the Wickham Wanderer show. The second half, you might say. Only there's three halves, so that doesn't work. Yes, yeah, well, we call it first half, second half, and extra time. Um, so we have spoken to lots of former players on the show, even though we, uh, this is only, I think, the ninth programme that we've done. Uh, but we haven't yet spoken to any former managers, but it is about to change now in a big way um, because Colin has been speaking to the one, the only Wickham legend, that is Martin O'Neill. Really timely that that we speak to you in the week of Wickham Wanderers played Nottingham Forest in the in the second tier of English football. Something which I guess you couldn't have imagined, you know, twenty five years ago when you were in charge at Adams Park, or perhaps perhaps that was something that, that you thought would be possible. Well, I, I think that naturally our ambition was to try and uh, become a football league team. Wickham Wanderers. I went down there in the year nineteen ninety, and uh, the, obviously they were a very a very strong Vauxhall Conference side at the time. But, um, you know, life was changing as, as, it, as it does. I think that uh, the, the wonderful, wonderful amateur record, Wickham, and um, uh, some terrific history as well, too, the old Lokes Park Stadium. But things were changing, you know, at the time, Ivor Beeks uh, had become chairman, very, very ambitious, wanting to drive on. And Adams Park was being built at the time. Lokes Park was going to finish, which was a bit of history, and uh, I was sorry to see it go. That old sloping, that old sloping pitch, but uh, nevertheless, it was uh, it was a new dawn, as it were. And of course, ambition ambition was actually quite high. So uh, the job, the the remit for me was, I I think, if I, was to try and get the team into the uh, into the football league. Is what you achieved then? Is it comparable to to getting into the championship? Now, obviously, it's so different, and and the team obviously being part time and going to, to full time as well. Well, I think that 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 what we had, we just uh, when we became a football league team, we had, we had, obviously it was uh, it was uh, it had been tough. Uh, my first year, we won the the FA Trophy, which is something that Ivor always wanted to achieve, and that was great. And I was as as genuinely as delighted for him as I was for myself, of course, and and uh, and the players. So uh, we pushed on, and uh, we ended up. Um, the same number of points as Colchester, who had uh, who had been relegated a couple of years before that from the football league itself, but had been able to retain professional status and uh, all their players were f- sorry full time status. So we were it was a it was a struggle all year. We ended up with both with ninety four points, 
I think the third team had Kettering, I think, at about 70 points. So for us to miss out in goal difference there was really, really tough to take. But the players come back with a fantastic attitude. We ended up winning the double and hence taking ourselves into the Football League. Now, this is the point that I wanted to make, is that our first season, we went up through the playoffs, beating no less a side than than Preston North End. And uh, the following year, we were in with the likes of Birmingham City and teams like that. And this was all very, very new to us, new to the players. And that's, that's, I think that's the only year where one team would go up automatically into, the, into what is now the championship and four teams would contest the playoffs. And we finished sixth again in our first year in the, what would be called now the first division. So we went very, very close. And had we gone into the playoffs, who knows? Our record was really good in that. And we might have we might have made it into the championship, and uh, in two consecutive years. However, it didn't it didn't materialise. We, as I said, to we finished sixth, and I think Huddersfield Town, for instance, I think might might have been one of the teams that went up along with Birmingham City, who went up automatically. So those are the time teams that we were competing against at that particular stage. It was a great it was great great experience. So the comparisons, I think, are, would be there. Of course, the same contrast could, could uh, you could imagine as well. But the achievement of um, of the team now today has been absolutely fantastic, really, really fantastic. So I think that we did all have an ambition to try and and as go up as far as we possibly could in in in, um, in the English league. But uh, to wait that length of time now to achieve that in the championship was uh, uh, really remarkable. Did it feel like a big step up? Because we spoke to Glenn Creaser recently on the, the show and he was saying it was it was like an ambition fulfilled when you offered him a, a full-time contract because obviously he had a, a, all the players had, had other jobs at the time as well and then, and then to compete in the Football League as well. Well, well it was. Well, well first of all, uh, let me say about Glenn Creaser, my first uh, couple of weeks at, um, at Wickham way back in 1990 was to try and convince Glenn Creaser to stay at the football club and that, and having a meeting with him one night in Bisham Abbey as we did our training at the at night time down in the plastic surfaces at Bisham Abbey was as uh, as big an achievement as I as I terrific with the players as well too you know and all the players looked up to him immensely and uh, he was a big big driving force so I think he had been tapped up by Barry Barry Fry again at, at Barnet and there was a possibility he could earn more money and such things like this here at at uh, at Barnet, but he decided to stay w- with us, which was terrific, and uh, hopefully he, d- he didn't regret it. So at the age, I think, what, what, what age was he, about 30 or 31, for him to come in and want to become a full-time professional footballer when we made it into the Football League, again, was a big moment. And I think some of the players would have followed uh, uh, Glynn as well, too, in, 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 in that aspect. Everybody, I think, I think only Mark West, uh, who decided, you know, his his particular job, and perhaps maybe didn't want to do it, uh, become a full time uh, professional. By the way, West was also a terrific footballer uh, for us. His goal in the uh, against Kidderminster, uh, where he uh, at at Wembley to win the um, to win the FA Trophy, I think just epitomised him. Um, but the players um, all became professional players, and uh, again found the step up unbelievably difficult to begin with but as the early weeks disappeared into into months of that particular season uh, we got a grip of things and to uh, to be fair I don't think we were actually ever out of the top six or seven 
for most of the season. It was such an attacking, attractive football as well to watch. Uh, reminded recently, speaking to, to JDT from the Ex-Players Association, who, as I'm sure you know, put together this, this fantastic video of you, of you speaking in 2012 at the, the Vare Suite, and there are clips in there of, of that first game against Carlisle, and, and it's, it's so fantastic to, to sort of recall the, the great performances and, and the, what a fantastic group of players as well from that time. Uh, absolutely. And... Uh, in terms of attitude, in terms of in terms of enthusiasm, in terms of enjoyment, I uh, I would put it up there. I would put my time at Wickham uh, alongside any any uh, my time at uh, at Aston Villa, my time at uh, Celtic, and my time at uh, my time at Leicester City. Uh, there, there was a fantastic camaraderie. I know it's an overused word. But it really was. It was uh, evocative of the team. They were willing to fight for each other the whole time. But there was an enjoyment during our training sessions as well. And we, I mean, we weren't blessed with any great training ground or anything like this here. We we tried different places. We finally settled up at Homer Green for a while, where there was a, 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 a man and his wife looked after us very, very well. And they were terrific to us. And um, after training, the buns and the sandwiches would come out. We just, it was, honestly, it really was a super, super time for us. And, and, and of course, with the results going well in the pitch, that helps immensely. And uh, I, th- I look back on that there with really fond memories. And so many positions as well where, where you think, oh, fantastic players, you know, in goal, people like John Granville and Paul Hyde, a fantastically strong back line as well. People like Steve Guppy, Dave Carroll, uh, you know, they were all, you know, fantastic to watch. Keith Scott, you mentioned Mark West as well. Some, some fantastic players and, and, and really great sort of Saturday afternoon to spend watching the team. Oh, you, you, you've mentioned all of those players. All of those players played an enormous part in, in proceedings. Absolutely. They were terrific footballers, and I th- I think really underrated. And by that I mean when I when I went to Wickham, first of all, we, we had Lynn Creaser, Matty Crosley, the Stevie Guppy, Andy Kerr, and the three back players that I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, uh, Crosley, a uh, super player, and uh, Andy Kerr and uh, Glenn Creaser. All were magnificent in the air, really, really magnificent. I thought to myself, well, I've got a real chance here because these these players can head the ball. And I've been at I've been at Grantham, a couple of leagues below that there for a little while, and um, these players here at Wickham were 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 on a different level. So, unfortunately, or or fortunately for me, I, I got the job because they had had been they'd have been they'd been on a bit of a bad run, culminating in being and losing in the FA Trophy to the Metropolitan Police, and I think things got uh, got a bit scary for a while. But uh, but the players themselves, uh, when I arrived down there, they they just they, they just needed a bit of confidence building as much as anything else. Stevie Guppy goes on to play for England and uh, on, on one occasion. That's a remarkable achievement. Davy Carroll, players like this. Finally, during the summertime, Keith Ryan uh, joined us. His cousin brought him to the to uh, pre-season. Never looked back. Simon Stapleton. I can go through the whole team. They were ter- just terrific footballers. And you must be so pleased with the support as well uh, that increased the, sort of the longer that you were there as well. So it's, so it's great atmospheres at Adams Park and away as well. And obviously you mentioned the the FA Trophy final against Kidderminster. It just felt like the whole town had gone. And you know you turn up at the station, you see people that you live with or, or live near. And there are people at the ground that you used to go to school with. And it, it was a really brilliant feeling to get behind the team and such a great day day out. Oh, uh, absolutely! Yes, uh, remarkable. I think it was the biggest crowd ever for a uh, for um, uh, an FA Trophy final. I, th- I think the Kidderminster game. I think there was about 
It's either 35 or 37,000 people at the game, and uh, we brought about 25,000 people. It was just, it, it really was fantastic for us. And uh, and for the fans to be there that particular day, to enjoy it, for us to, to go on to win the game and uh, achieve something at that stage. And of course, that became the springboard for the success that followed. So on, on a Saturday, you know, I'd be sort of stood on the terrace amongst a group of people who, who'd be saying, you know, Martin, give us a wave, Martin, and you would, and you'd wave and everyone would cheer, that'd be great. Uh, is that something you're always pleased to do? Or were there days when you thought, well, I don't, don't, don't really want to wave today, I'd, I'd rather oh, no. focus on the game, to be honest. Oh, no, no. Uh, I, I'd rather had uh, somebody shouting, Martin, give us a wave, than tell Martin to, you know, to, to go and... Uh, uh, and, and stick the team somewhere else or something like that. But uh, no, not at all. Absolutely not. The, it, it was great for the fans to actually to, to want to participate in it and, and, and to actually enjoy it. And for, for most of the times, we really did enjoy it. Of, co- of course, there, there are moments there where um, it didn't go so well for us. And one of the couple of fans behind me, uh, I, remember a, I remember a gentleman once, it was really funny, uh, an oldish man. He stood. He stood pretty close to where uh, where the teams come out, just to the right hand side, almost like like a little enclosure in there. And I I forget his name. We'll call him Fred at this moment. I, I'm sure he's long passed away. But um, we had. I think we we drew we drew a game with Kidderminster at home, two two. It was really very very good game. And I think that that's at that stage of the 21 home games, I think we'd taken about 57 points out of, out of a possible 63, but we'd drawn this day. And as we walked past, as we walked past going, obviously disappointed, I think we can see that late goal. I remember him saying to me, uh, O'Neill, that's just not good enough. <laughs> and I turned and I had a, a, a bit of a go at him. I said, what are you talking about? Not good enough. That's just not good enough, you know, for us. And I said to him, thinking because he was in that little enclosure, he might have had a, a, a free ticket. And I said, did you pay to get in here? And he said, of course I did. I said, well, you're entitled to criticise. You're fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I thought if he'd had a freebie, he, he wouldn't have been entitled to, to give us that sort of criticism. But because he, he had actually paid his money, he, he could say what he wanted. And that was and, and eventually didn't feel like a problem to me when I get into the dressing room. It's great to get the opportunity to obviously to speak to. I'm sure many fans, you know, will have heard you speaking on, on TV and stuff like that. But we, as I say, we spoke to uh, Glenn Creaser and, and Terry Evans as well, and said, you know, what's it like to, to play under him? And, and Terry Evans made a great comment. He said, uh, "Well, it could be very tough sometimes. He, he could ruin you with just a sentence," which, <laughs> which I think is a fantastic. And we mentioned that the video that's um, that's on on YouTube with um, JDT, and there's a fantastic story you tell about uh, one of your players who, who you told to get to get warmed up because br- you're bringing him off, which. <laughs> which <laughs> Yeah, that that was uh, that. Uh, strangely enough, that was actually a very, very good player. That was John Hartson, and uh, John was um, John Hartson was a, a terrific footballer, really, really great goal scorer inside the penalty area. But he was, John was a wee bit lazy. He would always say to me, "My job is to score goals, and that's fine." So we didn't worry too much about him playing outside the penalty area. But when I went in there, uh, he scored goals, and uh, alongside Henrik Larsson and Chris Sutton, he was he, he formed a, a big part of Celtic's team. But he was rather lazy, and there was moments in the game where I wanted him to do a little bit more. And after about 15 or 20 minutes in one particular game, he actually hadn't touched the ball. And so I remember shouting over to him. And it's almost in a joking fashion, you know, it's uh, saying to him, John, get warmed up, you're coming off. <laughs> and um, 
he didn't take it all that kindly either, uh, believe it or not. And he was a big fellow as well too. So I, I, I know I, um, I didn't want to really face up to him at half time in the game. But you mentioned Terry Evans there. Terry was, Terry was another player. I remember Jason Cousins, who was a great player for us. Jason, I picked up on a free transfer from from Brentford, and Jason was uh, again integral part of, of of the success that we had. But he mentioned to me about Terry Evans, and Terry wasn't too happy down at Brentford at the time. The two of them had been good friends, and and I thought that there might be an opportunity to bring Terry to the football club, and so. We paid, I think we paid £40,000 for him, which was a, a lot of money for us at the time. And Terry started off, he um, first couple of games, because he hadn't played so regularly uh, for Brentford in the, la- in the previous couple of months, he, he, didn't, he didn't start off too cleverly for us and really did play quite poorly for uh, a couple of games. But I remember saying to him, uh, uh, Terry, uh, uh, what, what is up? He said, oh, he's just, he said, oh, Gaffer, just give me a little bit of time. He said, my timing's off at the moment. I remember him saying that, my timing's off. And I thought to myself, well, that's not just the only thing that's off at this minute. You know, every, everything else doesn't seem to be all that clever. But anyway, he pulled himself around. We stayed with him and um, and then... Uh, as I've often said, carried the team for about the next 18 months. He was he was absolutely super. Came in at a time as well too when Glenn Creaser had picked up a very serious injury himself. He was uh, he was massive for us in every aspect of the word. Absolutely <laughs> big, big character, big in the dressing room again, and uh, great leader. You mentioned the achievement of getting into the championship uh, a short time ago. It must have been fantastic for you to be at the, the Rotherham game, the, the very first game in the championship. And you know what I, I it was it was a couple of things about that one delighted to be to be asked down I got a text message from Gareth saying uh, would you would you be interested in coming to the game well, absolutely uh, then I got in touch with the uh, the young lady and uh, she she uh, told me what to do and so obviously with covid and things like this here so um got to be careful so I got tested and then I went. Uh, I went round the back of the stadium, which I hadn't been there for a long, long time, and up and took my seat up in the uh, on the on the big stand on the far side. Which really strange, really, because I was uh, I was watching the game from a completely uh, different perspective. In the fact that I, as a manager of the football club, I always walked out from the uh, um, the smaller stand now, as it were, from the um, maybe it's even called the main stand. But, um, you know, from the dressing room side. So to look at the stadium, uh, to not only to look at the stadium, but to look at the pitch from the other side of the, uh, of the ground was, was really strange for a while. But anyway, they, uh, the, the team itself fought remarkably hard. I thought to myself, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let everybody stay and have their own time to each other. The, the people were very welcoming to me on the far side, very welcoming indeed. And I left with just about a minute to go. And I got into the car and just switched on the news, just thinking, well, that that's that. at least that's a draw. It's a point in the board. And uh, to find out that Rotherham had scored the late equaliser or scored the late winner in the game. And uh, a massive disappointment. So, uh, But overall, just to be down there for that game was, was a, again, a lovely experience for me. Former Wickham Wanderers manager Martin O'Neill speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. More from Martin in a few moments' time, including his thoughts on John Reardon and also uh, how he thinks the club will get on in the Championship. Love music. Love talk.
Love Wickham Sound. Welcome back to the Wickham Wanderer Show. Are you enjoying our chat with Martin? It's been really, really interesting. Fantastic to have him on the programme. Again, must say a huge thank you to JDT at uh, the Ex-Players Association and also Alan Hutchison as well for uh, for helping to arrange it. It was fantastic speaking to him and uh, to get his thoughts on... Well, all sorts, really. But obviously, the, the, the step up from, from non-league to... You forget, don't you, that they were only part-time yes, players yeah. as well. I did, you know, just incredible to hear that, yes, he was managing part-time players, that he managed Grantham Town. Because you think, you know, this was a player of significant standing and had done fantastically at Norwich and obviously at Nottingham Forest, uh, where, you know, where he was sort of like an apprentice to Brian Clough. Uh, and so the fact that actually, you know, that he managed Grantham and then that he came to Wickham Wanderers, whereas you possibly think that a player actually of that sort of calibre, you know, these days, you know, will be like Frank Lampard maybe going to Derby, you know. So uh, we were so lucky to have him. That, no, that's definitely. what comes across. Really fantastic to obviously speak to him as well after uh, Wickham Wanderers had played at Nottingham Forest, of course, his former club. Uh, also, uh, timely that we should be speaking to him shortly after the news uh, of John Reardon. Uh, uh, John, uh, I'm I'm so sad to hear the news. Really, have I? I know that uh, that he had uh, uh, problems in the last couple of years of his life. I think that uh, I think that uh, Alzheimer's was uh, was afflicting him. What he was when you talk about characters at the at the football club or any football club, uh, he was an absolute character in every aspect and initially, I, I suppose maybe uh, when I went to the football club first of all. John Reardon was kind of thrust upon me in that sense, in the nicest possible way. But uh, I ever said, oh, listen, he'll be a great, he'll be a great sounding board. He'll be all of those things. And I suppose uh, me being a young, rather impetuous and wanting to do things on my own, I didn't really want, perhaps I didn't really want people thrust upon me, uh, rather me make the decisions. Well, I've got to tell you, after a while, I was absolutely delighted with him, delighted to have his company. He was terrific. He was he was funny. He was strong, strong character as well too. Really strong. Didn't take nonsense from the players either, and would join in in some of the games. And now my John was you know um, a, a reasonable age at the time. Join in the matches. Take all the hits as well too from the players coming flying in at him. Dust himself down and get on with things. And uh, uh, really, really as brave as a lion. So I saw all of those things remarkably up close that he possessed as a footballer. And of course, I mean, he, he had a good record himself as a, as a manager, but he, uh, you know, to say that he was a sounding board would be, do, would be doing him a disservice. He became a really, really good friend. I genuinely loved him dearly. I thought, I thought he was great for, uh, great for the football club, magnificent for the football club and really great for me as well too. Really sorry to hear, to, to hear the news genuinely. And what would be your message to to Wickham fans about their perhaps expectations in the championship? Obviously, it was it was quite disappointing to go on such a, a losing run, but to get the first point, to get the first goal, to get the first win, it's been a, a real kind of. It feels like a corner's been turned. Well, if the, if the fans had been allowed into the stadium, you, you know, uh, for a couple of the certainly, particularly some of the early games, I think that that would that would definitely have helped because the crowd would have been right with the team, and perhaps maybe that game against Rotherham. It could have turned the corner. In fact, perfectly honest, Wickham could have won the game dead easily. But it was always going to be difficult this season, really difficult. The championship is a step up, and it's a big step up as well too. And um, there was going to be enjoyment of the season regardless of results. But I, I just knew every single game was go, was going to be a, a, a difficult encounter for them. But there's going to be whatever 
Wickham Lack and certain things you you could never talk about their their never say die spirit, which was epitomised, of course, at at at, at Wembley in the playoff final. So yeah, I don't think anybody was under any illusion at all that this was this was uh, this was uh, a, a difficult task ahead. But for them to get a couple of wins now, which has been really, really terrific, and it'll give them that sort of boost of confidence that every side needs in this league. Losing uh, some games was almost inevitable. Well, it was inevitable. If they can win their requisite number of matches to keep them in this league for this season, I think that would be an enormous achievement. Well, it's been fantastic to speak to you. Really appreciate your time. Hope you, hope you and your family are staying well. And the lockdown's been kind to you. Have you, have you been doing lots of Zoom calls? I imagine. I've been doing a few uh, Zoom calls. Yes, Colin, I have, and yet re- remarkably, still finding it difficult to 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 press the the, the right buttons here. But uh, I think that I, I'm the more I do, the more I'm getting used to. It. L- listen, just to to cap it all, I had uh, I had the time of my life as a manager of Wickham Wanderers Football Club. And so had my family as well, too. My wife and daughters um, look back in those days with really fond memories, genuinely fond memories. And my, my two daughters on the pitch at Wembley carrying little flags and, and uh, after um, one of our victories was, uh, was moments that we'll treasure forever. You mentioned that video. It must be so nice to sort of look back and, as you say, the opportunity to see your daughters on the pitch. And I know they went to school locally as well. And it must mm-hmm. be really nice to kind of look back on that time. I do, of course, yeah. They haven't, they they haven't seen it yet. I, I've I, I've deliberately kept the kept them away from it at the moment. But if we can, if if lockdown improves and we can all get together again, they're obviously living their own lives at this moment. But if we can, if there was if there was a Brecon proceedings and 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 Christmas, if we if people can gather together at Christmas time, it'd be nice to look at it. Absolutely, but um, wonderful days and and as I say, lovely uh, lovely memory of, of it all. And I know, you know, so many Wickham supporters are so, so you know, pleased and proud for you that, you know, you've gone on to, to manage such, such great teams and have such success at, you know, as you say, Leicester and Celtic and, and Villa as well. And obviously at international level as well, it's been, it's been fantastic to, to follow your career too. Well, you know, some of these things may not have, have materialised at all had I not been given this opportunity. And uh, there are lots of people down at, at Wickham that I have to thank for that, naturally. Uh, Alan Parry for for helping me get um, uh, getting an interview, even though it was a late stage and and a decision had been made. But uh, I think it was um, Kenny Swain. Uh, Kenny had been offered the job on the Sunday and uh, turned it down on the Monday. And then I got uh, the interview on the Tuesday with Ivor, and uh, so Ivor took me took me on and took me on board. So a lot of the things you never know might not have materialised had it not got that opportunity. And um, but as I say, it was a, a wonderful four or five years of my life and uh, absolutely not really no regrets at all uh, at any stage, at any stage at all of that there. And I know that my family really loved those days and I've really fond memories of the football club. Couldn't possibly uh, feel any other way. Are you hoping for a return to the dugout soon? Oh, we'll, we'll have a look at that. Yes, COVID uh, uh, is determining a lot of uh, uh, in people's lives at this moment. Let's see what, what might materialise. I really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic to speak to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Colin. No problem. What a, what a privilege and a fantastic time to get to chat to, to Martin O'Neill, and uh, especially having spent so much time sort of watching his teams and following his career as well. Uh, and getting to speak to him on Wickham Sound is, is really brilliant, and I'm really grateful um, for the opportunity.
and a fantastic interview as well. Well, Thank you well very done. Much. But you know, it, it came across. You know how pleased you were to speak to him, but some really good questions as well. And you know, it's just lovely to hear clearly what Wickham means to Martin O'Neill. You know, a man who you know was a complete legend uh, at various clubs. You know, won so many things at Celtic, but actually saying, well, you know, Wickham is up there uh, with all of his achievements. You know, also Leicester. You know, that, he did incredible things at Leicester. Um, and I know that possibly now looking back at Leicester, you know, uh, things are not tainted exactly by the fact that they won the Premier League. But, you know, they, they've always been a fairly sort of middling club. And, you know, Martin really, really did exceed expectations there, uh, just as he did here. Uh, and, you know, and the fact that, yes, he, he rates uh, winning the conference and, you know, the two FA trophies and getting, you know, the playoff final win up alongside, you know, winning all of those titles at Celtic. It's, it's just brilliant. And it's such a great opportunity to get the behind the scenes sort of stories if you like as well and next time you speak to gareth do ask him if there's a, there's a couple that supply buns to the team because because <laughs> i'd like to know if that's that's something that's you know, continued and, and the amazing thing about that is it, it makes it sound like it was ages ago but it really wasn't that long ago but yes people coming out and offering sandwiches and buns to the team after training i don't think gareth will be very pleased about that uh we have been running our poll uh incidentally uh which i think is just about to close uh, uh we have had a, a, a tweet as well um saying it's got to be ainsworth and no question However, interestingly, if the 2001 manager, who we think you're referring to Laurie Sanchez, was in there, then he's got competition because the FA Cup semi-final. Um, but out of those three, definitely Ainsworth. I, I think with regards to Laurie Sanchez, you know, yeah, that was an amazing achievement. But actually, compared to what Martin um, and Gareth, and, you know, and Sid achieved, uh, probably I, I would, you know, I, I would put him below them. And I guess the League Cup run as well, with, with Paul Lambert at Chelsea as well. That was very impressive as well, wasn't it? So, again, you know, they, they would both be up there, but probably you'd be looking at a top five rather than a top three. Anyway, I can reveal. So, Paul Sid didn't actually. Uh, Sid, Sid got 0%. Oh. Uh, maybe, no, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit too sure. you know, too, too old for the Twitter generation. Uh, Martin O'Neill on 47%, uh, but Gareth Ainsworth winning the poll with 53%. There you are. You've heard it here first. Absolutely. Gareth Ainsworth voted the greatest manager in Wickham's history uh, on Wickham Sound tonight. And someone to, who's doing a, undertaking a rather fine challenge to, to mention Indeed, as well. yes. Thank you very much to Ian Potter, who is a Chairboys fan who has got in touch as well, saying, can we mention his run that he's doing? Um, he is running uh, from Land's End to John O'Groats. Um, he's doing this um, on the, or starting this on the 21st of Feb. Uh, he's got a Just Giving page. Um, if you search for him, so Ian Potter on Just Giving, then he will come up. Uh, and we are going to try and chat to him as well on Wickham Sound um, on a future date, uh, because, you know, it sounds like a wonderful thing that he is doing. Um, it is in aid um, of mind, uh, and yes, we will try and get in touch with Ian uh, to arrange an interview with him. It's one of those things, isn't it? When you say from Land's End to General Groats, it doesn't sound that far <laughs> if you say it like that. Indeed, it, it's quite easy when you just say it like that, uh, whereas actually, yeah, you know, uh, whereas, you know, you and I would struggle if we were running from here to Adams Park, probably. I get out of breath, come up the stairs. Yeah, and so do I, absolutely. Well, it's been a fantastic show. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Great to hear from, ooh, Terry Evans, and uh, also from Martin O'Neill as well. And make sure you keep listening to, to future programmes, and we'll have uh, other former managers and former players on again. A massive thanks to JDT and Alan at the Ex-Players Association. We'll be speaking to, uh, uh, as I say, other players and other managers, and also uh, Alan in the future as well, to find out a bit more about the Ex-Players Association and the, uh, the great work that they do. Uh, good luck to Daryl Horgan, who, of course, is about to, to uh, kick off uh, for the Republic of Ireland against him. He's about to kick 
kick off. <laughs> he is indeed. Uh, it's one of those slightly tricky ones. You think, well, you know, uh, I'd really like to see Daryl do well, but yeah, I do sort of want England to win. Uh, you know, could England win 2-1 and Daryl score the Republic of Ireland's goal? That would be nice. That would be ideal, wouldn't yeah, it? that would be very good. Um, on next week's show, uh, we will be looking forward to the game against Brentford, uh, which will be happening a, a week on Saturday. Fantastic. Hopefully Gareth will be mended by then as well. Indeed, I think, yes, he probably will. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to speak to him in the week as well. Fantastic. Plenty to look forward to. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you very much indeed for listening. If you'd like to hear it again, or, or perhaps you've missed it, although if you haven't missed it, you're probably not listening now, uh, don't forget there's a podcast to, <laughs> to, to watch out for as well. <laughs>